So this bolt of lightning shot across the universe and inspired me with the idea that we have to do a podcast. And that's what I wanted to tell you. We should do a podcast. Okay, bye. Press it right now. Press it. All right. Um, Well, this is uh, Welcome to Feature Creep, colon. (laughs) Built-in microwave, semicolon. Managing our mental health. Yes. (laughs) Actually, I think this is a good one. I was thinking about... um, I had this thought about like... I almost fell off my chair. I was like, Maggie, you okay there? <laughs> That's how you manage your mental health? Yeah. Oh, is this back to caffeine? <laughs> Our old enemy, caffeine. Yes. Right? I just almost took a header, but thank God this drafting table was in front Ooh. of me. Thank, I'm fine now. Thank the good Lord above. Um, uh, well, uh, welcome to Feature Creep. And if this is your first time listening, I'm Ned. And with us uh, is Meg and Lauren. Mm-hmm. Uh, so hello was Lauren and mm-hmm was Meg. Uh, <laughs> and present. Yeah, present and accounted present. for. Roll call. Um, uh, Lauren, she, her pronouns. <laughs> Here. Ned, he, him pronouns. <laughs> Meg, negativity. Negativity. Yes. <laughs> Negatory. Anchoring the negative space. Um, (laughs) Anchoring the negative space. If you're... uh, I am the entity that anchors the negative space. Oh, it's so true. (laughs) I love love the... So I love that somebody might be listening right now for the first time and they're like, are, are they talking about like like being being pessimistic or are they talking about negative space in the concept of like art and design which is what mm-hmm. this podcast is about and that go ahead. yes yes and i was trying to figure out how to make a joke about um like on a chemistry level is is meg anchoring like the negative bonds and then i'm like do i anchor the positive bonds is is ned the the nucleus, the nucleus. <laughs> Lauren, no. Lauren's the pause bond. The pause yeah. bond. Am I the? Am I the 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 carbon bond that doesn't that's I, looking for a hydrogen? I don't. Know. I would. I would say if we were going to go the chemistry route, I would. I wouldn't disagree that Lauren, you and I are in the nucleus of the in the in the sense of like protons and neutrons, right? Mm-hmm. Sure. And yeah. for sure, Meg is the electron spinning it <laughs> yes, a million miles us, an hour yes. running around. Us. <laughs> Yep. Like occasionally, occasionally we we break off and then we accelerate to Meg's speed. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's so funny! And you never really actually know where Meg is. You can just map out with 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 high probability where Meg is likely to be. Mm -hmm. But we actually don't ever know where Meg actually is. Right. It's it's the Meg probability cloud. Right. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yep. (laughs) It's like Valence. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's in Valence. Yeah, so Meg, if this is your first podcast, welcome. Uh, <laughs> and if you would... We're you trying picked to, a good one. Yeah, yeah, you picked a good one. Um, we can tell already. Yeah, and uh, I just wanted to say, if you uh, would like to get in touch with us, you can email our executive assistant, Dana, D-A-N-A, at fcbm.io. Um, we're super happy that you're listening to it. And if this pot, if this particular episode isn't for you, we've got lots and they're all very different. Um, 
and sometimes we're more serious and sometimes we get off like I would say that they all vary in how quickly we get off topic but for sure they all get off topic um, right. or never get there in the first place um, so if that's not for you uh, hunt around but you know also no well, if it's deal. not for you see if you can find the ones where they don't get off topic yeah right? there's it's like a, a scavenger hunt like a mm-hmm. scavenger hunt I think there's a few there yeah. are a few yeah mm-hmm. and we did some shorts for a while uh, right at the beginning of the pandemic when we were just busting out these like these five minute shorts that were no no shorter than 15 to 20 minutes <laughs> oh. or sometimes really long yeah sometimes really long um, but I was going to say on the topic uh. of mental health I actually Lauren uh, the last time we were talking and doing podcast, uh, I had been thinking about this, but there wasn't an op- opportunity to bring it up. But I was reminded the other day when I was listening to a radio show about um, like <clears throat> kind of acknowledging and, and processing and, and kind of trying to help yourself like not get sucked into like negative thinking about yourself. Not uh, this. This isn't specifically about you, but we were talking. <laughs> like, <sorry. laughs> I mean, now Lauren's it is. Negative now, thinking now, about yeah. Lauren. No, but. Um, I, I, I was thinking about it. My- and there are examples like I remember <laughs> the person on the radio, um, you know, it was on NPR and it was some lovely two women chatting and having a really great time and, and they had really great things to say. But I remember thinking one of the things they were like, you know, oftentimes like you might have negative thinking internally, but your friends like why can't you talk to yourself the way you might talk to your right. friends? Like if your friend was like, man, I really suck. I never show up on time. ADHD. We'll talk about that in a minute. Um <laughs> if we remember if we remember if we can get meg yeah, will remember. i'll remember yeah meg will remember if we can us. figure out where meg is right and, exactly. and be in the same spot long enough hey, for meg she... to remind us yeah and <laughs> just shout it as i whiz past. It whiz past yeah and hopefully you'll forgive me for kind of pointing out like you you know earlier oh, yeah, you were mentioning no, like oh yeah like like timeliness is a problem for you um which i share with you and have mm-hmm. a lot of empathy but um like i would say from my point of view that I disagree. Like, I think that you've been very good about, you know, like when we put things on the calendar, like you check in and like you let us know if you're coming. And like, it's generally, it's very rare, often to the point where I'm like, oh man, we didn't even mention to Lauren. And she's already like, Mm -hmm. hey, are we like, what's going on? (laughs) Um, Because we share a calendar for the podcast. And so my point is like, I would have nothing but nice things to say about your ability to be present and, you know, accountable for your time and the time and the agreements we make about it. Um, even if you might, and I don't know that you actually think negatively about it yourself. You were just sure, mentioning it's, it's something. No, no, yeah. it's a good example. Um, Cause I, I think yeah. it's one that people could relate to in terms of. Sure. Yeah. Right. I think many people are like, Oh man, I'm really frustrated with myself for with this. And for right. many people, it probably might be time too. I, and, I'm not alone in that regard. Yeah. Right, right. Yes. At the very least, there's my mother. Yeah. Totally. Uh, which I had the great pleasure of meeting and is... Um, I know. It's really I was so charming. confused. I didn't know that was your mom. And I was like, who <laughs> is... We were... Who, what is happening right now? <laughs> is who is this woman with a dog walking by who's now in our yard? Yeah. Or like in our neighbor's yard and like... Very friendly. And just super friendly. Like, I was, we were sitting out in your yard like in the yeah. summer and she just like yep. came up to us and just started talking to us like she was <laughs> like, the wow. best friend of all of us. It was Like amazing. she knew who we were. Yes. Yes. <laughs> like she knew who all she of us were. She knew person. I mean, yeah, she yeah. Well, I mean, she knew that we were attached to yes. that person. Yes. Like, oh, yes. these people are all here and I know them because they're adjacent to this person who I know 
directly mm-hmm. or whatever. I had no idea it was your mom. I was like, <laughs> I didn't know that she knew anybody. Mm-hmm. Also, listeners should know that I've been taller than my mother since I was 10. Right. So in some physical ways, we don't really look that much alike. Right. I don't right. see think- it now, but yeah. like I did not. I don't think you would immediately. I did not see like physical characteristics that you yeah. shared in common enough that. I had my dad's nose, like my actual dad's nose, slightly smaller, but like that's funny. What, yeah, does he not need it anymore, or is that the? Uh, mm-hmm. yes. Okay. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> so you smell like your dad. <laughs> that's super uh, funny. Um, so interesting. One yes. thing I used to do to manage my mental health yeah. that I didn't really realize I was doing in my like high school, but probably early twenties, was uh, get the conditioner that my uh my, my parents uh were never married so i i've always i've never known them as a couple um which is like normal for me is multiple households mm-hmm. um and uh my dad's household would use this particular brand of of conditioner the nature's gate brown conditioner they don't make it anymore oh, i uh, love that it one in bulk oh. yes and so I found myself buying it because it would make my hair smell in these ways that made me feel calmer and better. Yeah. Aww. And then later I was like, oh, I think I associate this with my dad. Yeah. Like and this that is... smell was so distinct. I love it. It's so of distinct. It is yeah. fantastic. That yeah. Do you know like what the ingredients were or what the essential oils were? Or? Might be able to look it up. It might be. Worth you might be. Able, I don't know that I could actually put into words. It's very distinctive. As soon as I smell it, it like it was the yeah. triggers this thing. Discontinued nature's calm. gate. It's nature's gate. Okay. Yeah. I'm gonna look it up while it you guys the, like, continue to talk. Brown like, bulk conditioner is probably you would find yeah. it because okay. it was one of the first. I remember it being one of the early like body care products that were available in bulk at the co-op. So. Um, not to go back to what I like, I was long windedly trying to tell this point, oh, yes, which I'm was sorry. Yes. about, yes, you the, should please continue. It's okay. About listening to these, uh, women talk on the radio mm. and about like, you know, trying to how we talk to ourselves, trying, yeah, how we talk to ourselves and trying to develop a more kinder approach to it. Mm-hmm. But one thing that struck me was that all of their examples um, you know, they're like, did you get out of bed today? Good job. Did you, you know, think of the things you did do today that, were, you know, and reward yourself for that. And I remember just like thinking, and it still kind of strikes me as it's like, there's a lot of these things always kind of center around, like they don't get at the thing of like, maybe part of the reason you're not very happy is because you're still skewed towards this value system that isn't serving you. Like, mm. like, hmm getting you know like did you go to work today did you you know wash the dishes all of these things like that's not necessarily you know the fact that you didn't do it or did do it doesn't need to be the thing that gives you value as a human being like if you're valuing yourself like if you're valuing yourself like externally rather than like intrinsically right like intrinsically right exactly and where it becomes this issue of like you know and i kept thinking it's like all these things all of the examples they gave i was like i've i've had days where i've failed to meet that minimum requirement that you're saying is okay like get out of bed or Mm -hmm. you know did you have you know did you think one nice thing or did you do anything like and where i'm just like but that doesn't um I'm not sure what I'm getting at here, but I think I've at least put some things on the table that you guys can see like where I'm going with this, which is like that idea of like negative talk is a problem. And I know how Mm -hmm. that feels and like talking about, you know, 
thinking negatively of yourself or like, you know, feeling yeah. deflated and all of these things are, are issues for our mental health. But, um, also like, like social media is like really plays on this, right? You mm -hmm. watch, you know, the more social media you engage with, the more you might start to feel like I'm not doing the thing that I should be doing. Like I'm not living the life I should be living. I'm not enjoying things as much as I should be. I'm not, yeah, you know. Because all that shit that you scroll through, like doom scrolling is going to yeah. tell you two things simultaneously. Um, everybody else is doing better than you and shit's fucked and you're going to die. Right, right. And that is like, I, I'm trying to kind of think about like, what is the, you know, there's like one, one side of it where like objectively it's like, well, the reality is, is like there may be too many humans to support life on this planet. In there, which isn't. Case, there isn't. There, there isn't. There isn't. That's no, no, I'm just saying. 70s. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So but I'm just saying like there could neoliberal be. Neoliberal eugenicist. Right. Okay. Right. But like there might be some level where that's true. And you know, like there's, you have to like bring yourself away from that and not be in that thinking at all. Like you can't be thinking about that. You need to be more grounded in reality, which is like where you are and like what you're doing now. And there might be things externally that are causing you to think this way that are not okay. Is, yeah. Oh, I was going to say, yeah, I had a thought actually just with that little sideburst rant, but maybe what you're getting at is like, like through the discussion or experience around your self-talk or negative self-talk or, or mm -hmm. something that is unhelpful. Right. Um, you can engage it sort of head on and take it at its face value. But there's also this sort of backdoor where you're maybe examining the ideology that the behavior is based on. Right. I mean, is that seem like what you were kind of trying to get at? That yeah, like yeah, you exactly. can address it in more than one way? Yeah, or just that um Yes, and also yeah, like you can address it more than one way and also maybe um I think collectively like it'd be great if we all kind of like felt a little more comfortable with with the idea of like mediocrity like that's actually pretty good yes i was actually gonna say you you totally have the point you can address things more than one way but i often feel that like actually addressing ideology that things are, that beliefs and actions are based on mm -hmm. yeah. is like more efficient for lack of a better word ah you're you're not solving for the symptoms you're yeah you're treating, you're the, treating problem. the problem the yeah. cause yeah like you know, routinely when I encounter people who are uncomfortable with their weight, the first thing they always say is, well, I have to lose weight. And it, I never hear anybody say, well, I, I could just be okay with my body at any weight. Mm -hmm. Right. Right. Now, there could be other reasons you want to change your body or whatever, but like, but the first thing they come to is is based on an ideology that like is pervasive in our society. But you're absolutely right. Like that's not going to actually get at the core problem because now if your body changes for any reason, which Has, over the course happens. of a lifetime, everybody's body changes. <laughs> I mean, they change in different ways, but yeah. um, it does not affect everyone the same for sure. But like your body's probably going to change at some point. Like then you're back to square one. And mm -hmm. sometimes there are things we can't change. Right. Like without either serious 
surgery or money or sometimes they just are unchangeable. Yeah, like I don't think it's the number of pounds you weigh so much as your relationship to the idea of the number of the pounds right. that you weigh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or your, re- I mean, and that can be tied up in other things like your yeah. relationship to your sense of value or, you know, security in relationships. Yeah, like, um, yeah, there's yeah. like a lot of stuff. There's like, but the, the ideology is sometimes maybe I'm, I need a better word than efficient, but that like I like what you saying like direct. Are you, yeah, are you treating the symptom? Or are you trying to get at the root cause? Right. I don't know. Did I take your point too far? No, field? no. It was. I there's no. I just had been kind of thinking about it. There's not any. I'm not married to any kind of outcome on that particular. Because I hear you speaking specifically to the like ideology of like product activity or accomplishment based like like i hear you 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 at least poking at this idea of like well you did a thing Mm -hmm. you did you accomplished you like this idea of achievement and you can change are you changing what you define as enough or 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 you know uh, what counts as actually achieving and I kind of hear you saying, but like another way could be like, what if I didn't actually need to do anything? What if I was good enough just because I'm a unique individual? Right. Yeah. Like literally like real uh, unconditional love, like actually yeah. not having any conditions. Like, right. like what if that was your goal that you could just recognize your value for existing, even if you did none of those things that mm-hmm. you were you know, just talking about. Right. Right. Yeah. And that's, I mean, but I think that that's, um, there's all kinds of fucking radical and makes you a communist. Yes. Yes. (laughs) A communist with Oliver Sacks. I was going to say, I mean, we already know, (laughs) we already know we're mixed. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I, they already found you out. <laughs> they already found me out. I almost, w- when we were in class earlier today, I almost commented, a, uh, like we were having a discussion about public health and about like, public health. and about the, um, here we are on a tangent, about um, like vaccine mandates and things like that. And I, w- I was going to open my mouth and I just decided to let it go and I didn't say anything, but what I wanted to say was like, you know, I'm not like, I, I don't know what else to do, but I'm also not in favor of like legal repercussions for people who don't get vaccines. Like, right. what are you just going to like arrest people out of the pandemic? Like you can't like, you no. can't like fine and le- like what, what next, right? Like, so you start fining people and those people don't pay their fines. So that escalates to another kind of infraction. And then you've got a fucking court date that somebody misses because like, who knows what, maybe they've got COVID and can't show up right. or like, you're not even having court dates. And like, it just escalates to the point that now you're like in the legal system because you didn't want to mm-hmm. get a fucking, and the state is coming down on you and like turning you into like a criminal because you didn't. And I'm like, I'm not in support of any of that. I don't know what the fucking solution is. I'm not trying to like, yeah, I but mean, I was just fine. thinking like I was going to bust myself out as like an enemy of the state uh-huh. at school today. And I was right. like, no, no, no it's no, too no. soon. I'm just going to keep soon. my mouth shut. It's too soon. It's too soon. They're not ready. They're not ready. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Still oh, not a communist. Still not a communist. Just a total. Because I'm totally not state. in support. And they're right. totally into the state. For a very specific type of state. Right. <laughs> right. I right. mean, communists, they're so into the state. They're so into the state. As someone who has... Um, like generally pretty 
pretty well identified and pretty solid. Uh, I want to. I don't want to say extreme. I don't want to like qualify them, but I have all of the symptoms of ADHD, right? Like I, I've been diagnosed yeah. with it. I have. You have been or haven't? I have been, and I have oh, all yeah. of these experiences that correlate with you know this evolving field of research because it's one of mm-hmm. the most well researched. Um, mental disorders i forget where we're at with the terminology there but um in psychology it is one of the most studied uh afflictions does that mean it's well understood or not so much no i'm just saying it's not right it's just yeah heavily studied no heavily studied but not still not want to talk about my opinions about the field of psychology we can oh god podcast about that well me Um, and you are on the same line of that one like yeah uh but um and many psychologists i hope would agree with me like it's it's you know it's early days yeah ways, you can be critical of your field yeah i mean i think you should be practitioner of be, it. right in fact yeah. you should be right yeah right. i mean like you know as someone who writes software i have no i have an unending list of gripes about the software industry <laughs> i i work in i work in sexual health and like i think there's a number of things that our field still has to atone for right um right. with so much knowledge uh and and that was gained at truly at the expense and cost of of marginalized communities, and it's it's unforgivable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Margaret Sanger was a eugenicist. I still love Planned Parenthood, and Margaret Sanger was a eugenicist. Like, right, like right. both are true. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. Oh, <laughs> Sorry. Planned Parenthood <laughs> Didn't is mean amazing. To go to no, I mean, I, like speaking of like health and public health or health and mental health, I don't think those things are so easily divided either. Like you, yes, I do love oh, you. Yeah. You do talk about like like I'm thinking of our conversation about like yeah. all science is soft science, but yeah. like kind of all health is mental health or like all right yeah like it's it the idea that there's like this like divide is ridiculous. Well, I mean that's true in so many fields. I mean, I well I, right because that just echoes the ridiculous mind body distinction that yes. used to exist yes. in philosophy. That's like been completely like obliterated as a, a right. theory for right. no, no. It's the four humors and the mind body. <laughs> oh, right, yeah, it's the four humors. <laughs> what if we legislated bile, yellow bile? Uh, we need we need Damon <laughs> to get down here so we can have all four humors. <laughs> just the three of us right now. Wait, um, I know. Oh God, which one's phlegm? I'm I want to be. Oh, oh I bet phlegm. it's me. We're all me. I bet it's me. Me, 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 pick me. I want to be phlegm. Am I black bile? I don't know. Then which one am I? I it's don't remember. Ye- wasn't it yellow bile, black bile, phlegm, and blood? No, I'm gonna blood? Google. I don't, I don't know. So. I don't even know if I know this ever. The like, I don't know humans. if I ever knew this. I'm just guessing blindly. I know phlegm is one of them, and I'm <laughs> pretty sure. I know, and I'm have certain to, it's black bile. I'm pretty sure the other one is yellow bile, but for. So you got them right. It's blood, yellow bile, black bile, oh. and phlegm. And I just want to point out um, that on Wikipedia, there is an article <laughs> called Humorism. <laughs> it's funny, but not on purpose. <laughs> um, yes. But yeah, humorism or humoral thero- theory or humoralism uh, was a system of medicine detailing a supposed makeup of workings of the human body adopted by ancient Greek and Roman physicians and philosophers. Um, Yeah. And there was blood, blood, yellow bile, black bile and phlegm. Um, I, okay. I'll be blood. Oh, I was going to be blood. Okay. You be blood. 
I'll be phlegm. Okay. I'll take, <laughs> Which one are you? I'll, I'll either either of the biles. Well, I'll be both. <laughs> either the biles. I'll be both both until someone else shows up. I mean, I'll we can you know. we can make we can make you yellow bile and Damon black, black bile because okay. of your hair colors. Oh correspond yeah. Okay. With those. We could yeah. also look up what they control because I did occur to me. Oh or, or yeah, that's could, true. Does Buzzfeed right. have a quiz for this? Like, which <laughs> which humor <laughs> are you? So so here's the um. <laughs> Here's a quick quote. Uh, Many Greek texts were written during the golden age of theory of the four humors in Greek medicine. Um, There was a treatise called On the Constitution of the Universe and of Man published in the mid-19th century. Um, In this text, the author establishes the relationship between elements of the universe, air, water, earth, fire, and elements of the man, blood, yellow, bile, black bile, phlegm. He said that, and so there's kind of four things. The people who have red blood are friendly. They joke and laugh about their bodies, and they are rose-tinted, slightly red, and have pretty skin. The people who have yellow bile are bitter, short-tempered, and daring. They appear greenish and have yellow skin. The people who are composed of black bile, right? I know. The people who are composed of black bile are lazy, fearful, and sickly. They have black hair and black eyes. Those wow. who have phlegm are low-spirited, forgetful, and have white hair. So oh. I guess. Yes. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Anyway, um, this feels even less accurate than a horoscope. You really? <laughs> and those are real inaccurate. <laughs> I know. I have to. Oh gosh, I can't. I guess I can't speak. What? There's this. You can speak. You yeah, can no, speak. I, don't I don't know. I can't we support you. Enough details. Thank you. You yeah. can't remember enough details to tell the <laughs> idea to us. Yeah. There's this person who <laughs> writes about astrology, and I was given their book on a CD by someone who is like a friend of my sibling, like not somebody I know. And I and I tried to listen to it because I I whatever because I'm interested in things that matter to other people. Uh-huh. And it mostly wasn't up my alley, but they did have this one concept that I actually thought was very useful and interesting, but I don't know who they are and I don't know the name of their book <laughs> and I want to be able to cite them and I don't totally remember the idea entirely. <laughs> 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 just like, like the crux of it was sort of like, like, well, look, we know that astrology is, is like not, I can't remember their language. <laughs> Valid. Well, they're making this point that, that it has value Okay. Yeah. By like giving people a way to access or approach or think about or engage with things that they otherwise can't. Mm. So again, I don't remember exactly their language and how they were framing it, but kind of this element of like, look, we know that this is not like true destiny written in the stars that we're reading as a true fortune, but instead like reframing it as this idea of, you know, being able to engage or, you know, kind of think about or or be in relationship or conversation with um, both aspects of ourselves, but the world or the universe at large mm-hmm. that we kind of otherwise just really can't actually cope with or, yeah. or engage with. And that piece was useful. Yeah. And I thought there was real meat to that. That's really. And so I should remember and find out oh, who this person. Is. But since I didn't really connect with their work and I didn't finish the book and I don't uh, even know yeah. if I still have the CD, and then how do I look this up? Oh, that's so funny. 
<laughs> here's my how it's even worse than the person who goes to the bookstore like i'm looking for a book with a blue it has a blue cover yeah. like this is like even worse than that. <laughs> <laughs> looking for a book on astrology but i can't tell you who it is by or what it's about but here's this vague notion of their of a point they make somewhere near the beginning because i didn't finish it <laughs> Best book review ever. That's the Love England of, of <laughs> the England of <laughs> the book British Empire of book reviews. Uh-huh. <laughs> yes, the British Empire is now my my new worst empire ever. Worst and empire so. ever. It's yeah. It's the Great. proxy for all terrible things uh-huh. within their category. Like it has to like sum up like the worst of its defining <clears throat> category. Right. Yeah. Are they like oh, the Lord. the uh, the whipping boy of uh, of empires? I mean, they're pretty. I mean, I've done this before and nobody's responded to it, but like put out a challenge to the listeners. Like if you can think of a worse empire than the British Empire, let me know. Yeah. I'm pretty interested because like uh, they're way worse than the Roman Empire. You can. They're worse than the Holy Roman Empire. Do we have like a rubric that we're grading on? That's I was going to say they would then bring up that rubric. Well, certainly wor- way worse than the Mongolian Empire. They're if, arguably actually a pretty great empire. Yeah, if you'd like to <laughs> yeah, if you'd like to comment on that, um you send us an email at uh Dana. Your at submission MCBM. for worst empire ever. Yeah, Dana at fcbm.io. We'll we'd love to hear from you. Um yeah, and maybe we can uh clarify on that. Yeah. Um Yes, you could include your rubric or we'll just have to guess or assign one to you. So maybe you want to use your words. But yeah. we're willing to do it for you if you do. <laughs> right. <laughs> no pressure. Engage how you can. If you're if you're like drunk or stoned right now and it's like late at night and you just kind of <laughs> vaguely have an idea, do what we do to each other, which right. is send random text messages in the middle of the night <laughs> the to our email address with like one liners and then yep. we'll write back like, okay, clarification, please. <laughs> or is this what you're saying? Right. right. Um, Wait, are you mad at somebody? <laughs> are you mad at someone right now? <laughs> Jeff is not a valid empire. That's your neighbor. <laughs> <laughs> Leave Doug out of this. Um, so you, you, we were we were talking about ADHD, <laughs> yeah, and, and mental health, and yeah. managing our mental health. Uh huh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know if you want to. I don't have ADHD. So well, I, mean, I uh, but I just we, thought I mean, I'd, Meg. I mean, you've been around Lauren and I a lot, and we talk about it all the time. And yeah, so you're very familiar. And also, I think. I think ADHD in many ways is like a very, it's one of the ones that's very easy for people to experience for themselves. Mm. Like you can induce a sort of state of it by um, having a lack of sleep. Yep. Like, you know, just being really tired and then, you know, having to stay up and then maybe like, um, you know, like you start to, you know, at the root of ADHD, I think is the current research as we understand it is it's not, it's not a deficit of attention the problem is is that um for most of us with adhd we have uh reduced executive function yes i was gonna say i would you know what this reminds me of like you know how on like current smart televisions you have like picture in picture you can see a bunch of shit going on a bunch of time or you can cascade windows on a desktop and you can have a bunch of stuff open and running at the same time yep i feel like what it seems like ADHD is is like you don't get to pick which window you're staring at and you'll just stare at it forever the other ones stop mattering after 
a certain point and it's, you can't like decide how to shift from one to the other there's nothing telling you like woo there's other windows you forgot about you're just like this is the window the window's here i'm just this is my window oh look there's another window and then you just sort of like bounce from but it's like it's it's almost like it seems kind of like you're looking around but you have blinders on and so what your eyes settle on or your attention settles on is kind of like random and you might get sucked into it for a really long time. Yes. For me, there's this element of sometimes feeling like, I don't know, like, like if you're using this computer, this analogy is whatever. Not like great. It, you don't have parts, to. Well, no, but there's parts that I like when you're talking yeah. about this. Yep. I was like, well, it's almost like you've given me this computer with all these tabs and it's my computer. And so mm -hmm. they're all tabs that I'm interested in. Right. right. But like you've disabled the keyboard, but you didn't tell me. Right. Oh. And so like I'm trying to control it with the the tool you gave me to control it yeah. with. Yeah. Like, and I know that the keyboard is how you control it. Right. And yet it's not actually it's not controlling working. it. And then, and then somebody else has remoted in. Mm -hmm. And so it's doing stuff. Oh God. But I yes. can't actually yes. control it. Right. Or in order right. to control it, I have to like call <laughs> and then hit one and wait on hold for 20 minutes. Yeah. And if we're lucky, that person's like, hey, around and they, yeah, they answer the phone. to that yeah. other thing you were looking at? It's yeah. like that. I, I <laughs> no. mean. Oh no. Because. Because oftentimes, like the the view that <laughs> but at I'm least looking at, tabs you're interested in because they're yeah, yours, <laughs> right? But I I would also argue maybe not always. Like like That's oftentimes true. the things that I'm looking at are I'm stuck on not I know that I don't want to be looking at it while yeah, I'm it's, looking it's, at it. I've had those experiences. Like, okay, too. yeah, and, and yeah. I have that in a real world experience. Like I cannot go to sports bars because. I hmm, will be same. sucked into whatever's on the TV right. and I will watch an entire game of football or basketball or whatever when I have mm -hmm. no interest in any of those fucking things. Yes. Mm -hmm. And now I've watched a whole Lakers game and, you know, no offense to Lakers fans, I just don't care what's happening. Right. I don't. So why Especially am I still looking at it? There with somebody care, else. Do you like, care oh, that yeah. there are no lakes in L.A.? And that the Lakers came from here where there are lakes and they used to be from here but they're not here anymore? I mean... No. At some point, I would maybe not right now. Not right now. Like I maybe like, you'll think about this the next time you're sucked into a Lakers game. Oh, and it'll I, break you of the spell. <laughs> I mean, possible, Meg. but it's yeah. No, I mean, I yeah. And it'd be like, I wonder where where Meg is. I wonder yeah. where Meg is. Which, Which valence. valence is she in now? <laughs> it, it's all like I would care about that in the context of like you and I having a conversation about that, right? Like right now, it's yeah. like I care a lot right now. When I'm watching it, <laughs> I don't give a fuck about that information. Like that's you not didn't interesting. even know that. Yeah, like. I what I care about is like the hypocrisy of that and you and I love to talk about hypocrisy yes. and hyperbole and all of the great things in the world. Um other H words. Other H words and all the H words. <laughs> yeah. Um Hyacinths. Hyacinths, I was thinking that too. Oh the same liminal space. <laughs> so um, great. Yeah. So I like there's and also um I think Lauren, to your point, yeah, like it's been, like to take that kind of analogy more into the realm of like what we experience, or at least I, I think you and I like very much relate to that experience of like it's there. Those are all the things you want. Like you know, mm -hmm. any one of these tabs is like potentially something you want to be engaged with, but the tools to interact with it are missing or <laughs> or don't, and they don't behave the same way every yeah. time. Like it's like oh the keyboard works today great but I'm not on the tab I want to be on and the mouse is broken and so I can't right. get the oh mouse God. over there so whatever I'm doing I can interact with but it might be like 
you know, uh, it's too late. That's a big one for me. Like it's too late, like writing a paper when it's like, you know, I mean, that's a, a classic like college problem is it's like, you know, now that I'm really engaged with this paper, it's too late. The paper's due in 20 minutes or something like, right. So, you know, um, yeah, but yeah. And for me, there's this also this piece that's like, I can do it, but it just takes like I can call the number and press one and set on hold for 20 minutes and talk to the person who's mm-hmm. remoted in and get them to go do the thing. But it just took so much it longer. It just takes everything out of your day. Like it sucks yeah. the joy out of it. It makes it very difficult. Yeah. It drains you. Um, the first person mm-hmm. that like really I felt like uh, reflected back to me my well your your comment back at the beginning about how we talk about ourselves i i had an an ex the person who knit the stunning sweater it's a great sweater it won a prize it's a state fair oh man i know i know it's there was many fabulous things about about this ex we also cured meat together Ah! ham ham babies little salami babies it was great (laughs) and this person like i was like talking about something and i was being frustrated with myself i don't know that my external language was all that harsh but i I was clearly frustrated with myself and this person was like lauren like that's that's amazing like you did this thing that would like you worked really 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 hard to do this thing that other people would do without thinking about it or like you pushed through and completed something that like, and yeah, you didn't get everything done, but like other people would have taken them, I don't know, whatever, 20 minutes to do the thing that you mm-hmm. spent. I don't remember the exact details. I What I remember, <laughs> because I remember around things, um, I remember right. crying. I yeah. remember that like making me suddenly well up. And me being like, what's going on? And like, I really didn't understand. It was very surprising. And I like, and, and, now I can make sense of it by saying like it was having somebody sort of like reflect my experience mm-hmm. or or, you know, you could probably say feel seen or or something like that. Yeah. But um, <clears throat> like it, it was something I didn't even know I wanted, I guess. Ah, uh, um, yeah. Maybe where I was going with that. Uh, yeah. I le- I try to lead a pretty examined life, and so when something affects me in a way I'm not expecting, yeah. I'm usually like, "What the fuck?" Right? Yeah, I do usually think of myself as rather self aware and introspective. So it was a little like, "How did I not know this?" Uh, yeah, how did I not know I would give a shit about this? I was pretty sure I had dyslexia <coughs> before I was diagnosed. I did not suspect the ADHD at the time. In fact, when I was diagnosed, mm-hmm. they still had ADD versus yes, oh. ADHD. Right. Same. So yeah. ADD was, is no longer a thing at all anymore. They've just rolled I mean, it into yeah. Uh, there, I think I believe. Well, correct me if if I'm wrong, Ned. I Always, believe, of course not. <laughs> I know. <laughs> uh, that's what I'm here for. That's yeah. what I'm um, here for. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just, in fact, waiting. Boys. <laughs> Smash. <laughs> <laughs> wrong. <laughs> um, but that many of the original distinctions for types of ADD or ADHD, mm. they've now realized were... Uh, are just not really useful or right. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And so they've kept ADHD because possibly it's the word, even that's not really a great defining right, it's quality not, of, it's actually not how many people experience. Right. Uh-huh. Okay. It, yeah. Like when you see someone who's like 
heavily like if you observe me when I'm like heavily experiencing symptoms, yeah. Or, um, then outwardly it might seem like I'm very distractible and I lack focus. But the problem is, is that oftentimes you're hyper focused on something. You have too right. much focus. You yeah. have too much focus. It's like your brain's like your brain is short circuiting any kind of executive decisions, and so it's. Um, you just go from one thing to the next, like directly into your train of thought about what's going on, like what you're trying to do. And so I like my understanding and my personal experience kind of bears this out a little bit, which is like in a crisis, I'm pretty good typically Mm -hmm. in some kinds of crisis, right? Where it's like you need action almost without thought and you need that action to happen right away. And you need it to be like, um, you know, uh, like, you know, for instance, like Meg, when we used to work together, like there was mm-hmm. a lot of chaos going on. And like, for right. me, it was like, in some ways I thrive in that environment because there's so much Same. stimulation. Um, and that's the other thing is like, we get typically the condition of ADHD means that like when you're under a lot of stimulation, you actually get more access to your prefrontal cortex. Yeah. It's yeah. now stimulated and those that's mechanisms why, work well. Yeah. That's why you take meth. <laughs> yes, that's why you ADHD. take amphetamines, right? It's yeah. like it's mm-hmm. like oh, now now the prefrontal cortex is available and we get more dopamine in a part of the tool, the keyboard and the mouse mm-hmm. are now right. turned on. They get power. We just need more power than most people. Mm-hmm. Um and when we don't have that, it's at least my experience is like it's physically painful to do things that I'm not interested in. It's heartbreakingly right. difficult for me to um, you know, do rote work that is just not interesting anymore. Mm-hmm. So, and I don't always experience that piece of it with those same with that same language. Sure, but I am very aware of a highly developed skill set I have to become interested in things. Yeah. Oh, I can talk to pretty much anybody, and I will try. Oh, and and. Like, I can't turn off the whole thing of, like, anything you're... Like, I love the phrase, anything worth doing is worth doing poorly. Back to Ned's point about, like, we should mm-hmm. embrace more mediocrity. Yeah. Like, yeah. I absolutely love that. But, like, I, I I really, truly do not know how to turn off the part of my brain that's like, well, if this is what I'm doing, I'm going to just be all in. Oh. So, like, if yeah. I'm at this event and I'm going to be talking to people, I'm going to try to have the best conversation I can with every single person yeah. that right. I, I meet. Um, and, and so like, I have this very highly developed or, or whatever. Like when I was in, I, I completed a, a bachelor's degree recently. Yes. Which Yay. was a huge deal for me. Yeah. Yeah. I discovered more crying related to school <laughs> randomly coming up. <laughs> so I mean, I've got a little more insight into some of this now. Oh man. Going to talk to teachers is a real roller coaster for me and them. But, but, um, like, you know, I could, if I had to be in these classes and I was paying a lot of money for them and I really had a strong goal of why I was there and, and I really, you know, had a strong focus of where I was headed and this was important or valuable Mm -hmm. for that. I was going to find something interesting about that class. Right. Even if I, even if I, the subject matter was not challenging or stuff I already knew and I didn't really like the teacher, and we didn't get along, well, then I would try to analyze what are other people thinking or feeling in the class. Oh. 
And when they ask questions, do I think he answers the question they actually asked? And mm. how would I answer the question? Yeah. <laughs> like, That's so great. Like, just like, you know, you just move up the level or yeah. whatever. You either move up or you move down. So, like, I don't, I've never had a true data entry job, but I, I, I did find a second home in, in the economics department and, and do some data research. And it's like, I'm really good at seeing patterns and drawing connections, like, on really big mm-hmm. levels. Mm-hmm. Or I'm good at, like, double checking all of the code like or finding the problems and like we're doing statistical programming and stuff or you know double checking well really honestly it's like whatever hex hexatrap checking like you check it six times or whatever for anything that's like data stuff you know and so like again i've never had a job doing data entry but when i do it i get super focused and i'm just like making 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 sure that everything is like exactly right yeah mm-hmm. right so it's like you're either hyper focused <laughs> like yeah so it's like either this really tiny level or this really big level i don't know that actually at the time felt related to your comment about you know, <laughs> like it was painful to do things oh oh, oh yeah. i'm aware of oh. this thing about myself that feels unusual or sometimes mm-hmm. stands out as like sets me apart from other people mm-hmm and um, like nobody else on my team, which be it that's a small sample size, but like nobody else in any of my other like, you know, applied research skills, like economics, like you know, research things would search for errors in our code the way I would. Right. When we would do data extractions, like I'm the only one that like made these <laughs> like stunningly annotated do files. Uh-huh. I got a compliment once from our like the graduate student pre-doctorate who is who ran our data lab was like Lauren you have beautiful do files and I was like oh I want to see these okay I'll show them to you Uh, yeah 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 so that's like um so I wonder if that's not a, a a a a reaction to the thing you talked about like if we have to, if i'm in situations where i have to do things that is painful to do yeah well how do i find a way if i if i had a history of not being able to get myself out of those situations yeah and like having to do them but you don't want to be in pain well then like can you find a way to make it right right yeah and that's and that's absolutely um the best like the, the that's like a great way to try and build coping skills when you or at least for me like i don't have um i'm not gonna have that that level of like willpower to kind of like power through something and just get it off my plate nor am i gonna have the mm, executive yes, function that's true that's yeah. true i can't power through yeah right so of, we have we have yeah, these other true. ways mm. of, <laughs> of of like trying to accomplish things right like you're trying mm-hmm. to you know it's like i know i want to get my taxes done but um, I uh, taxes aren't usually a problem so much for me, but it's I mean they have been, but for other reasons. But anyway, it, <laughs> my point is that the um, like if you wanted to get your taxes done, you might like a more neurotypical. Well, someone who has more access to executive function or doesn't have it, um, it doesn't get impacted the way that somebody with ADHD might have their executive function impacted by the task of doing something like taxes that are quite mundane and very boring and dull um Mm -hmm. we have to find other ways of 
working with it, whether it's like, you know, uh, when I had to do my taxes by hand and I was in high school because oh. there was some small uh, investments that were made in my name so that I could eventually try to pay for school. And then, of course, I didn't graduate and yeah. all wacky stuff. I <laughs> the thing I did. So as soon as you're talking about this, I was like, yeah. I remember being 17 and and just paying a lot of attention to how I wrote my numbers, yeah. like within all the little boxes, because at that point you still did them on paper. Yep. Yep. And I still remember the feel of the paper that instructed, because I had to fill out like, I couldn't do the easy, I had to do the regular one and a schedule D and like all yeah. this extra stuff. Okay. And so I remember like, like, I don't know that I gamified it necessarily, but just like really, again, focusing super deep on like, you read this thing, almost like a choose your own adventure, and then you, okay, then this is line 9A, so then you go over here and you look at 9A and this, oh okay, and then God. you go back over here, and <clears throat> then like very carefully like writing the letters or the mm -hmm. numbers so that they all perfectly stacked up on the form, mm -hmm. so that when you got to the bottom, they were all lined up, mm -hmm. and like that's what... I don't know that it was that's fun. That's what like, it took to get through that's it. What it yes. took to get through it. Yeah. Like I had to have like some sort of like right. real focus yeah. on Yeah, like something. when I when I was in college yeah. and I had to take notes, um I I what I did was like it's where my pencil obsession came from. Uh, and it started with pencil. Ned and I do share actually. <laughs> yeah. Ned has a bigger pencil obsession than me i don't know it's i not, recently bought some pencils ned and i was going to tell you about it. it's not yeah no i mean i don't think the a pencil obsession that? isn't about like the depth or breadth of your collection it is about how it makes you feel and how you work with it right like mm -hmm. if you found a pencil early on you liked or just because you didn't like go off the deep end in a particular direction i don't think that i have been thinking about these german mechanical pencils pencils you probably yeah. know oh. the brand the rot they're oh, hexagonal the, oh um with the, the red writing the rot, rotine uh, rotting ro rotating rotating yeah, yeah. rotating yeah yeah the very expensive drafting they're pencils. very expensive yes. i do not oh. have one but yeah. i've really thought about it. like some yeah. of them are peter like draws has has some rotating uh, uh, has some rotating pencils. Speaking of one of our favorite artists, yeah. So um, there you go. Uh, so, so yeah, and I used to yes, take notes exactly like, pencil and paper. I was super focused on the pencils, the quality of the lead. Like mm -hmm. I literally was buying pencils from a a distributor, a dealer in India on the Indian eBay in order to get these pencils that were. <laughs> Um, that met my my curious requirements, exacting standards. My exacting standards, which was that the lead was um, so pencil leads. If you don't know, are made of graphite and clay typically, and they usually have binding agents. And these particular pencil leads were uh, used olive oil as one of the binding agents, and that supposedly mm. gave them a particular mm -hmm. writing quality that I was interested in, like a slip. Finding out about yeah, like <clears> a <throat> slip or just you know the kind of there was a olive oil based wax I think that they used as the binding agent. Yeah, um, but it did it give when you're writing with it, did it cause it to like glide in a certain way because the friction melted the oil and so there was a lot of like slip to it? Um yeah, like it's kind of it's very nuanced. Like I have a lot of pencils we can try them sometime. <laughs> like most people will be like, Yep, that's a pencil. I will tell you. I will tell you. Uh, don't that, worry, later I'll talk about rice cookers. It's the same. Yes. Oh, rice cookers. Oh, I yes. have some yes. Um, <laughs> it's very nuanced it's great yeah i'm loving this okay go on uh anyway i mean the, if we want to get into pencil lead formulations and i generally where i can show people the difference is i can hand them like a ticonderoga garbage 
like a mm-hmm. garbage American <coughs> pencil from Staples mm-hmm. versus like any of the quality pencils that I have, which are not more expensive. They're just better. Like it's they're just better. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I'm not saying that there aren't good Ticonderoga pencils. I just don't think they make them anymore. I think they, once they kind of like started mass producing for big box stores, it was just all over, right? Like they don't, yeah, yeah nobody cares because they were it's only, they just had to meet, downhill. like all pencils went to number two after Scantrons and we lost the glory uh, of wood sure. pencils in the US. So mm-hmm. um, they still exist in Europe, mostly in India, apparently. Um, but I always preferred pencils that were harder than the number two pencil. Mm-hmm. I like number threes. Yep. Yep. Yeah. I like a, I like a darker, softer one. Mm. Mm. Yeah, I could see that. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Oh, yeah. go ahead. No, go ahead. I was going to say, I don't know that I know as much about my preference of, of hardness, but I am very thoughtful about my preference, like with mechanical pencils mm. for the th- thickness oh which does also come back to the hardness are you a half millimeter i mean i I do tend to like really big uh oh you mean you mean like a like a nine millimeter yeah 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 not well yes i was going off of i should have said no actually Uh i well i like the extremes Mm -hmm. i ordered recently i ordered a two millimeter i think i think it was the point point two millimeter Yes. Isn't it? They're points. No, it's yeah. one. It's mm. no, because it's point seven. It's a millimeter five, is really fat two. for a pencil lead. Yeah, it's point two. Seven millimeters is seven point tenths five. of a centimeter. Point seven and point nine are the common ones, and then you have ones. You're right. Twos. You're right. Yes. Yeah. Point, I don't yes, like point five. five. Yeah, it's point five not, is the okay. common. Right. Sorry. I like either a point seven, seven or I ordered these this point two. Mm-hmm. Um, so and I can't remember if I've thin. used point nines. Yes. Point, point nines two are is quite, very quite pleasing. I have a one point one somewhere. I have thick. used. Mm. I think I've used <clears> a two millimeter, and that is very interesting. But it's very different. It's two millimeters. The is yeah. the normal core size for a wood case pencil, I think. Then I used mm. one millimeter. It was a faux, it was supposed to look like a wooden pencil mm-hmm. and it was hexagonal, but, and then it had, but it was a mechanical pencil yeah. and it had a bigger, a fairly beefy lead, but I didn't think it was quite as big as a, as a, a regular pencil. So maybe it was uh, immaterial. Well, well. I do have this, <laughs> this Japanese brand that has like auto rotating on the lead. Oh, so yeah, how does that work? I don't know. I oh. ordered it. It hasn't. It's not here yet. Oh, so as you write, it rotates the 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 lead piece so that you don't get a flat side. Which yes, I'm wondering if Excellent. I might really like, particularly with fatter. Um. Yep. Uh, leads. I bet. Yeah. That seems like it could be very Th- useful. That was one of my f- my what I thought the attribute, the best attribute of number three pencils was, is that you could use the long sharpener. Mm. Yes. You get the long point point. and it will hold the point. point. Yep. Uh Yep. Yeah. I don't disagree with you. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. Yep. Why not just get a really skinny mechanical pencil? In what ways do the pencils that you selected help you manage your ADHD? (laughs) Thank you for bringing this back. Yeah. So, so, um, it, it became, (laughs) no, it was kind of in the same realm of what Lauren was talking about in doing her taxes where she was super yeah. hyper-focused on 
a process involved in mm-hmm. it that yeah. you had more control over and you were able to like, you know, lining up your, your marks, making mm-hmm. sure they looked a certain way. Um, yeah. The way that you, it sounds like in many ways, like the way that you read through the document, the way you yes. moved your eyes through the document, the way yes. you brought in the information, the way you collected it and put it in mm-hmm. there. Um, mm-hmm. And so for the note taking, it was the same kind of thing where I was um, constantly changing and like my thing was like, well, now that I'm super focused on finding the perfect pencil, it it means that when I take notes, that's the that's the testing ground of me determining whether mm-hmm. I found the right pencil. And yeah. so now instead of going to school and having to take notes in a boring ass fucking statistical mechanics class, right. um, mm-hmm. which boring is debatable. It's, you know, statistical it, mechanics, statistical mechanics. I was going to say, I, but I really enjoyed statistics. Yeah, it's it's tough, but it's like, you know, yes, anyway, sure. some dry topics or whatever, chemistry, biochemistry, yeah. all these things like anyway, day to day, like going to school, um, the way that it, now it became a place where it's like, oh, you I get I'm, to go. I get to go out. there because I have this new fun toy yep, to play exactly. with. Oh, and okay. so like I was constantly searching for the right paper. I liked paper yep. with no like I started with graph paper. I I never liked line paper. Um, That's eventually i had dots for a while and eventually i liked i liked having no lines because i was like part of the process was seeing how well i could keep sure. my own imaginary mm-hmm. lines stick to my notes and and then that way um you know i was like practicing this thing and i was really focused on it and so the quality yeah. of the paper i wanted really thin paper because i was producing so many notes i wanted the paper to stack really thin so i was always mm-hmm. on the hunt for what i i never found but what i wanted oftentimes is called uh, bible paper Yes. Um, but the Tomo River paper is it, super close. Yes, the Tomo River, which is where we, oh. you know, so there's a, um, Meg and I both ah. use a Hobonichi um, life journal that mm-hmm. is a Japanese sort of calendaring system. Yeah, bumps, bumps right there. Bumps, um, bumps. I want to know more about that. It's and, gorgeous. Uh, it uses the Tomo River. Tomo River? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so they use a paper from a paper company called Tomo River, and it's a very fine thin lightweight paper that's very strong and like very um mm. i think it's it's uh the sizing on it is really of a high quality so it's a very smooth oh, sure even oh my God. surface yeah. so um, nice the paper you could there's a lot to learn about paper i find yeah. paper fascinating yeah. yeah and one of the ways that i and so I'd started with pens because I'd kind of become obsessed mm-hmm. with um, fountain pens because I was like, oh, you can have all these different inks. But then yeah. um, as I went on, I realized like I learned that uh, pencil is actually generally like one of the best archival uh, marking tools because even ah, though it's erasable, uh-huh. it doesn't photodegrade yep. and it doesn't chemically break down. And, and so it doesn't destroy the paper and it doesn't destroy the paper. The yeah, yeah. Which a lot of the inks can. And so they have to be. Um, and so pencil, even though it's more easily like it's easier for someone to come along and mechanically remove it with an eraser. Right. If no one's doing that, it's going to last a lot longer than any other kind of ink on a piece of paper. Typically. I mean, mm-hmm. at this uh, ink technology is a whole. Yeah, whole inks. Thing. Uh, yes. Yeah. Um, if you think paper is, is complex. Yeah. And, inks. And Ooh. so this is like the fact, like <laughs> just this like little. <laughs> I was just thinking about oak galls. That's oh, all. Oak galls, yes. <laughs> Another Peter draws lovely uh, experience. Yeah. One could have. Um, I I don't know about Peter draws and oak galls. I know about oak galls. Never mind. <laughs> I'll look it up. 
Yeah, he has an episode where he goes and collects. Uh, I think he goes and collects oak galls, and then he makes iron ink. Iron ink. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Oak okay. Ink, yeah. 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 Um, boils it in a pot. It's amazing. Um, uh, okay. Yeah. It does this beautiful art piece uh, that you oh, see cool. in many of the other videos that he does. Uh, if yeah, so if you're listening mm-hmm. and you're like, who the fuck is this guy? He's just a prolific YouTube. artist on YouTube called Peter Draws, and um, just lovely spelled exactly like it sounds. Yeah. Yep. First name Peter, last name Draws. I mean, his last name is something else, but um, yeah. He's so great. He's so cool. Yeah, he's very cool. So to answer your question, Meg, that is uh, going find it like ho- like this is like that's that's when I'm successful at manage managing my ADHD, right? Yeah. Like I have a task that I want to do that's like it's a long term goal that's that's difficult for me to power through and so if I can find ways to engage my like hyper focus mm-hmm. in a way that is synergistic Productive. with that. You have to like harness yeah. it. That's a good way of putting it. Yeah. But like also harness- like they're moving in the same direction. Like like Right. It's like like the ADHD is like this engine. It's like yep. being a DJ. Oh sure. Yeah. Because like you're always making sounds, mm-hmm. but like the the magic comes when like the sounds Come line right. up yep. and create the mood and you know kind of uh, uh, usher in a, a, a space, a, a mood in a space, mm-hmm. right. you know? Right. But like, you're always making noise. Like you you could yeah. imagine, like ima- one could like yes. continuously be doing the things of being a DJ, making noise, playing music, mm-hmm. but you won't necessarily have It never lines set, up. Right, <laughs> right. Unless right. it lines up. Yeah. It was just clashing drum beats the whole time. Yeah. 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 And also, um, like in that context, like all of the things that I've accomplished in my life are side effects of me doing something else. Like, <laughs> you know, getting yeah. jobs, paying bills, um, yeah. like I, everything, everything that like requires like any kind of engagement I have with with society typically that is like trying to kind of build my life or like maintain my life typically has to be some kind of side effect of something that I'm actually wanting to do. Right. Yeah. And so like a big part of a big part of it is like trying to navigate that where again, like this is where I get so frustrated is it's like if we go back to the analogy of like the keyboard and the mouse being broken, part of the problem is that it's like they're still fucking broken. Like I don't I don't get to choose those things as much as I'd like. And the mm-hmm. fact that I was able to um, find a pencil like, you know, uh, what's it when you love something so much like a like a pencil pencilphilia or whatever um yeah that's it. yeah like in order to f- like the fact that i was yes. able to develop uh, and like like hold on to this like hidden gem of pencilphilia allowed me to get through college right yes right can we name this episode the hidden gem of pencilphilia yes yes I think we yeah can. i think we should yeah uh oh that's great. but we should make sure all the search things can find it with adhd Oh I do yeah, that'll be right. in the description. Yeah, it'll be in the description okay. for sure. I do want to also mention a yeah. piece because I have a, a dear friend mm-hmm. who like had they had real um, I don't know their sense of like validation and sort of being seen and and you know tearing up was like finding uh, a website which I of course at this minute can't remember but I, I'm pretty <laughs> sure you'll know which one it is. Yes, you've seen the theme here. Um, <laughs> believe it or not, I, I actually have great memory. <laughs> 
Um, <laughs> I believe it. I know. Yeah, I've seen it. Was uh, and they talk. They have really done a lot to um, uh, talk about adults with ADD mm-hmm. and ADHD. And they had they have a bunch of articles about kind of the emotional regulation side. So oh, there's yeah. this piece about. Um, uh, like a rejection sensitivity or rejection dysphoria, like not being able to accurately tell uh, rejection, like, like, and then being very sensitive to it almost, you know, uh, as, as part and parcel of that. Hmm. So not accurately being able to like, like your calibration tool for gauging what's going on in the world is a little bit off. Uh huh. And then, like, your receiving receptive part is also kind of, like, tweaked up. Yeah. I Yeah. Like, that's been my whole life is, like, peppered with these, like, devastating, like, rejections, right? Like, in my mind, right? Even though, in reality, it maybe wasn't such a big deal. Or or sometimes I overstayed my welcome so much because I was missing that kind of, like, hey, we're not doing that right now or whatever. And then it's too late. And now I've, like, you know, now the level of rejection is, like, soul crushing as opposed to just yeah. like oh you know, god i got you your favorite thing <laughs> yeah. disappointment, disappointment. Yeah. it's funny because I, I actually <clears throat> one of the reasons i started going to my now therapist i had been seeing a therapist and we whatever i i've been to several <laughs> therapists yeah oh. but my current therapist one of the reasons was i was like i think i have a really weird or dysfunctional relationship with disappointment mm. i find disappointment frequently crushing yes wow yep okay crushing and often in relationship with with people with partners like right. particularly romantic partners mm. um and so i think i think it also is tied into to rejection and other things it, it, these things are complex um there's also a connection between adhd and um uh aces uh developmental traumas what say oh, more about that what's aces, ACEs? Uh, ACEs are, I don't actually know if it's for sure ACEs. ACEs are an actual structured and defined measurable um, uh, system used uh, for adverse childhood experiences. Oh! And then now they've actually added one to it. Oh, what is the the new, and connections? Adverse childhood experiences and connections? ACAX? <laughs> yeah. Um but but basically developmental traumas um there's a connection they they don't know what it is just merely that it uh currently it is just coincidental mm. like mm-hmm. um corollary i should say like okay pretty noticeably um people with uh developmental trauma have much 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 higher instances of ADD ADD interesting yes I- I could see, I mean, I'm just, this is just speculating on my, like, like my I said, like, this is just two things yeah. that both exist. Yeah. You sure. Know? Yeah. But I can see that working, um, or I could see how I could apply that kind of model to an experience that I have, which is that, um, I like when I have a, when I have like a bad experience at work or something, or like, you know, if I'm trying to like work for a company or go to school or whatever. And there's things that can just happen that then like my mind retreats from and I can never get it to engage again. Like 
so like if I had mm. like I had a bad experience with a boss where it's just like they're just a shitty micromanager, right? Like it's not mm-hmm. it's not something to take personal. They're just not good at what they're doing, and you know, or they <laughs> yeah, or it's not really be. that's a they're weird judgment. It, like they're not they're doing, doing it to doing torment is, you. No, like but what they're doing is not working, right? And right. so mm-hmm. for me, it's like my experience of it is is such that like my brain when I'm having a bad emotional experience with something or I'm having like a you know my emotional response to it is not good like I'm like I feel bad about yeah. myself I don't like this I'm really you know unhappy I'm maybe angry or whatever then my brain is like oh yeah well we're we're shutting down like this whole executive function thing that you need to do work like that's turned off mm-hmm. right now because that may have been a way to cope I don't know I'm just imagining you know I maybe had a few adverse childhood experiences in my life um, mm-hmm. I mean, I know I did, and we can talk about yeah. that at length anytime. But, um, uh, but I can see, I could see how there would be, um, that could be a route of of having a similar experience, right? Where you're just like you're biologically, physically, like reacting to this negative yes. thing, and your brain's like, great, you're just gonna have to shut down the executive functioning of your brain. Um, I don't know how that correlates to emotions or how that would be helpful necessarily, but I could mm-hmm. see that happening for sure. I know what it feels like. Which yeah. is, it's it's the same feeling I have when I talk about like in, intolerable activities becoming yeah. so impossible because the closer I get to trying to do them, the more my brain is like, that's fine, but for sure the keyboard and the mouse are turned off now entirely. Right. Oh, you want to use the phone to call that guy? He is not picking up or yep, exactly. person, that person yep. is going to help you. Right? <clears throat> you know. Yeah. So now you're just like, by the time I show up to the activity, I'm just like, well... I'm I am here in body but not in mind. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And you're not gonna be able to like necessarily, or at least I I think of something that I learned from from work to try to address or heal like trauma. You're not necessarily gonna be able to think your way out of it. So there's right. this thing from like uh, the body holds the sc- keeps the score by uh, Bissell van der Kolk. Yeah. I believe. Um, you know, really makes this point that like trauma is held in the body, but it also means that it's released in the body. So once the mental state that is triggered, you you again, you don't logic or think your way out of it. You need often a physical thing to come back out of it. That's why breathing exercises are a thing mm. or um, physical activity, uh, shaking like it's a thing you see in animals, like yeah. animals that feign dead often then when they come out of it, like they look like they have like a little seizure. Yeah, like yeah. They'll shake. Like that physical movement um, is, is, is another example of a thing that can bring somebody out. Um, you know, any physical tactile or, or habitual habits, um, eye movement stuff, uh, things where like with kids, they have a bunch of interesting things about like rolling the ball with another person. So it's like making a connection, but with a physical activity. Interesting. Yeah. So I, 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 I feel like there's often a similarity with kind of what you're talking about when you're like, well, <laughs> definitely offline controls aren't working now um, that you're going to probably need to have something experiential to bring you bring some of that stuff back online. Mm-hmm. I don't know. 
Yeah, I, were, you, were you not with us there? <laughs> yeah, sorry. Say that last part again. Like That's it went okay. in and I just was this like, what? classic. <laughs> I know, it's okay. Uh, I was saying that you probably... You need you, a physical stimulus to you knock have you... have a physical experience. Yes. Knock you leave. back into the, like, right. The, right. the now. Yeah. Right, right, yep. Yeah. Something experiential. Yeah. Like you're yeah. not going to think your way out of it, I guess. Right, right. Yeah, Logic no, you can't just be it. like, yeah, and... I I think about I think about my dad a lot because I know um, in especially in this like he just had this way of just like his approach to stuff was just like you just you know when nothing else is working just brute force it like you don't you know you don't think your way out of it you're ju- like you do like in his mind it's like the logical approach right like you just right. remove emotion right. and you just do the logical thing and you just keep doing that because that's yeah. what works um, a very kind of shut down person like after you know at some point when yeah. things changed um but yeah like i can i can see how well for instance like with school like i was having because i had such a horrible time growing up in school i hated it so mm-hmm. much i'm really amazed that i was able to get through college as well as i did i'm um, amazed that i still love to read mm, i have right? both dyslexia and adhd yeah. yeah and yet i somehow managed to come out of it i mean i'm a very slow reader mm-hmm. um like very very slow but I have excellent retention and I mostly yeah. actually really enjoy it. That's and cool. I often am like, whoo, dodged that one. Like, it's yeah. Really easy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, sorry, please. Continue. No, it's great. Anyway, I, I just also found, like, I did yeah. at least find the website with the oh, thing please. about the uh, rejection sensitivity. Yes. Ah! Attitude mag. So, A D D I T U D E mag.com and they have lots of things and i think ned and i have talked about it but they yeah. i think if you search for like uh rejection sensitivity you, you, you'd find some stuff on there yeah that's yeah. i guess i don't have like i don't think i have rejection sensitivity i don't think you do either no no <laughs> hmm i mean i suppose i don't like rejection but no, sure nobody yeah does. Well, like yeah, nobody does yeah, like I know, I know I do, but I think I also handle it very well. Like I think other people might say, "Oh, Ned doesn't have rejection sensitivity," sensitivity, mm-hmm. but I know that I do. Yeah, um, like sure. I, I yeah, worry I mean, about I, it a lot. But you hide in, these things. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like I, I was um, back when they were diagnosing ADHD with like different vo- forms of it and things. Um, mm-hmm. I, I was diagnosed as the there. So like there were kind of. More recently, they had like the two types. There was like inattentive and hyperactive, mm-hmm. I think. Mm-hmm. And so I was diagnosed as inattentive. And I know exactly why, because it had been so like, I don't want to say no one was physically beating me at the time to make me not be hyperactive, but it was so clear that it was so displeasing to other people yeah. to be hyperactive that I was, anytime I was around other people, I was just like, the best I could do was just sit calmly and like focus inward. Right. And just be Mm -hmm. distracted internally as opposed to, you know, like tapping my leg or running around the room or screaming randomly or whatever I, Mm -hmm. you know, felt I needed to be doing. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. And so that, I think most people with ADHD, like at least in our generation, like grew up in a realm where it's like, there's a whole aspect of us that it's like, Oh no, we're very good at keeping that hidden and under wraps. Oh yeah. Like, yeah. Um, Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, like the system is pretty effective at, at communicating what isn't isn't 
Well, I mean, I don't know. That's an overgeneralization. But I, I yeah. do think, I do see a lot of ways that, that right. we undercredit the ways that we communicate what is and isn't acceptable behavior. Yeah. To, right. to and, and this is also presuming a degree of neurotypicalness about reading social cues too because like there's also people who have different neurodivergence like different kinds of brains than ours that that wouldn't get those that messages mm -hmm. right. or would find them yeah um, you know you know parts of their brain that reads and makes sense of those is is differently wired and the it's rejection sensitivity dysphoria right what is right. uh so. what is it Give us a little taste of what it says. Um, so it is not a formal diagnosis, but rather one of the most common and disruptive manifestations of emotional dysregulation. Hmm. A common but under-researched and often misunderstood symptom of ADHD, particularly in adults. And I am currently reading from uh, a article that was updated on August 24th, 2021, new insights into rejection sensitivity dysphoria ah. on aforementioned attitude mag, mag, mag magazine. Yeah. Right. Um, and so rejection sensitivity dysphoria is a brain-based symptom that is likely an innate feature of ADHD, though the experience of rejection sensitivity dysphoria can be painful and even traumatic. Um, Rejection sensitivity dysphoria, RSD, is not thought to be caused by trauma. Interesting. And so, of course, you know, dysphoria means like... Um, it's the opposite of euphoria. Right. It's unbearable. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, but also kind of has taken on this context of like not being able to gauge i think it feel like it has this this element or or maybe it's just often spoken about real or imagined something is unbearable yeah, yeah um so this this line between like well i mean i guess this is true in a lot of mental health like it doesn't so much matter kind of some sort of objective sense of of reality to right get back to what we're talking about it matters what you're experiencing what you think right what you're feeling what you're you know what your system like it doesn't really matter if there is a tiger behind that bush if mm -hmm. your you know danger systems in your body have been triggered yeah like it doesn't matter what's actually there it's right the, might as well have experience. been at least for right. the yeah. purpose of how you feel internally mm -hmm. yep mm -hmm. it's irrelevant yeah yeah um, the distinction i mean if we're going to follow through to the future where you were eaten by the tiger then the tiger not being there is a great out you know a great situation but um up until that point, all right. of the all of the feeling is the same, right? All of the <laughs> um. Apparently, in Europe, it's sometimes called histroid dysphoria. Oh, H y s t e r o i d. Great. Well, that's sexist and horrible. Yeah, yeah. I was like, yeah. am I right? This is just like. No, you're like, right. That's fucked up. Lady that sounds gonna right. Lady, uh, lady feels gonna lady feel. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Okay. Right. God. I mean, yeah, crazy. It is bitch. documented more often in in people who identify as female, so or women. Well, right, because as men, we're not allowed to feel those things, so we would right. never I mean, we would never report it. Right, you well, right. wouldn't report it. I'm not why, rejected. Shut up. Do you you don't know. What do you mean you're not <laughs> allowed? Men just don't have those feelings. Right. I'm saying, sorry. I yes, of course. Men don't have those feelings. Right. We you, don't have. Everybody those feelings. knows about the the studies that show that, like, even by age five, uh, little girls have something like five times more words to describe emotions than little boys. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Like the vocabulary difference Interesting. is 
huge. Yeah. Is this like a nature nurture thing? I my personal opinion is that nature nurture discussions are not helpful mm -hmm. in actually moving our society forward. Sure. Yeah. That the answer is almost always a little of both. There's okay. almost nothing that is truly one or the other. And in many ways we never really know. So why so, try to answer the question we can't answer and instead try to ask slightly different but adjacent questions? Okay, let me ask a different question. Which was not do you meant to think be critical that of the, you. Do you think that the disparity in the number of vocabulary words is due to social conditioning and the fact that boys are not taught as many? It's not prioritized to teach boys language about feelings? And so girls get taught more because... Or do you think that there's something else that accounts for this that has nothing to do with how children are raised? I'm generally, my bias is almost always going to be a little more towards conditional and environmental. Um, one, just because we already live in a sexist, uh, like a patriarchy. Yep. And so any science that's reinforcing those ideas, I think is just suspect. And so, you know, like that's an issue I have with a lot of developmental uh, or uh, um, what, uh, not developmental psychology. What's the the batshit wing of archaeology? Uh, oh, uh, evolutionary evolutionary psychology. psychology. Like, oh, you know yeah, the batshit yeah. wing. Yeah, the right, batshit. Right. When you said batshit, I knew what you were. <laughs> yeah, I was like, exactly yeah, what you were talking yeah. about. Evolutionary biology. Um, <laughs> you know, so I just think we have to be way, way more critical of science. That's like, see, it's totally natural for you know whatever women to want babies and men to beat each other up, and it's like, well. But we live in a society that already reinforces that in a million tiny ways. Right. And how well yeah. do you control for that? Right. Exactly. And, how do you control for that? Right. right. Yeah. And uh, there is evidence that looks at the kind that charts the kind of language people use with little babies. Yes. Like newborns. Right. And they show even at like six months, um, people are using way more emotion words with little baby girls. That's what I'm asking. Mm -hmm. That That's my question. So given that, <laughs> um, I, like I said, my bias is tends to be more towards environmental or mm -hmm. conditional things, mm -hmm. in part because in some ways that also seems like a more fruit. That's what I mean by like nature versus nurture right. doesn't seem like a helpful question because instead we could just say, well, what are the conditions in the environment around how we teach emotion-based vocabulary to children like that's something sure. we can measure and count right and we may not be able to say exactly which one it is but we at least like let's at least focus on things that we can do better science with mm -hmm. maybe yeah yeah i don't know that would be my thinking yeah um well um I suppose we are over our time. Well, we don't have time. It's just no, we've been we're good. time yeah. is a social contract. This is a total. If we totally wanted to, if we wanted to do um, the uh, sort of ending segment, I do have uh, an article we could look at. Okay, um, what it is it? It does seem that Meg you, or Ned, you have moved on to the next thing. Oh yeah. well, uh, no. So I had more. I I agree with uh, Lauren. Um, but yeah, like I sorry. I do actually have some thoughts. So you Oh good. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to yeah, talk yeah. over you. Yeah, yeah. No, no, no. That's okay. Um I I very much agree with you that it's not very helpful to um go down those routes of like reinforcing stereotype with uh with science like pseudoscience. By, pseudoscience. Often. Yeah. Um I mean if nothing else like it's the the very the variety of 
what it means to be human is so vast compared to the binary of like you're a man, I'm a woman. Or, I mean, you know, yeah, like, even totally. the variety of that. I mean, like, yeah. m- man, if everybody doesn't know here, there is no such thing as biological sex. Go look it up. There's other people who can explain it to you, but like, there really isn't a truly binary, agreed upon biological right male female right. category. So like, right. we don't that's even have an that. Over, to fall that's down. an oversimplification that makes it really convenient to lump people into categories based on arbitrary values and tell them how to behave. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, I could do, we could do a whole episode on that. If you want, you can write in about it. But like to your point, Ned, it's yeah. not helpful to try to use this thing that already doesn't accurately represent the human experience or what it means to be human. Right. And, and so then to kind of go back a little more into the conversation, like when you were talking about, um, uh, little girls having more words for emotions than little boys. Um, like I already know that, or I shouldn't say already know my personal experience as, as a little boy growing up or as a man was that, um, and continues to be that, uh, when I hear people talking about their emotions, um, and I hear language that, uh, is beyond the sort of base emotions that might be ascribed to like sort of male dialogue, like, you Mm -hmm. know, yeah. mad or angry like you know anger like rage or like <laughs> rage happiness right like i'm right. either happy or i'm angry like where right. like you know ah. that kind of binary mm-hmm. like you know i mean that's a little bit of an oversimplification at least these days not but um uh, but not by yeah. too much right like i'm i'm sure that many people would be able to say oh i know a person who is either full of anger or is happy like those are their two states <laughs> and right a, um, and it is a binary state yeah and uh and then you start to wonder if they're just happy being angry all the time but anyway um, <laughs> yeah i i definitely <laughs> when i hear other people use words and i'm kind of being careful not to say when i hear women say this like there are plenty of men who <laughs> speak very eloquently about their nuances of their feelings right like for instance um when yes, i when i was reading um mr rogers mr rogers great yes in absolutely. simplified terms but still pretty eloquent and more nuanced um, yeah when i was reading uh giovanni's room by uh um by james baldwin uh this mm, is a mm-hmm. this is a book so this is a mm. story about um this sort of man living in in sort of um it's it's just kind of this like uh it's kind of a story about this man and his lovers and his experiences and all of his feelings and living in um living in the south of France uh and you know, and or I think kind of I don't know if I, it's been a little while since I read it, but my point I is mean, there's he is a, a lot, lovely writer. I mean, he is a lovely a, writer, and there's the a man lot had of an astounding way with words. Yes, and there's a lot of discussion about um, you know feelings and sexuality and all of these things that and identity and all these like amazing major themes. It's a really good book. Um, yes. I am not I'm not gay or I you know that's not something that I've you know, generally, like, I feel pretty comfortable in my sort of heteronormative sexuality, which is just where I've, where I happen to be. And thankfully, you know, that works out. But 
Um, that doesn't change the fact that like it doesn't really matter like what's he's having these human interactions with other human beings Mm -hmm. like that's all that like it's so readable because you're just like everything I'm reading in there I'm like oh yeah all of these feelings I identify with and have had Mm -hmm. in my own life in some ways right Um, you know and some of them I haven't but can I like can relate to or empathize with because of how he describes them. And so yeah. my, my mm-hmm. point to your point was just that, um, or my support of that is like, yeah. James like, Baldwin, you can you can support my point with, with James, with James Baldwin. Baldwin. I have in honor. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. And also I, his work is still so timely. Like It's very, yeah. If you it's don't really know amazing. James Baldwin, look him up. And the, 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 the film that was made a couple of years ago uh, with his papers. No, of course. This is just my theme tonight. I can't remember what it's called. Um, <laughs> the a film about James Baldwin, or yes, oh, oh, um, is it I am not your Negro? It probably is. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, that was m- heavily made with his his papers and his writing. Yeah, right, let me. Right. Yeah, that's what I, I was thinking. I but watched yeah. it not too long ago because I think it came out not too long ago. Yes, let me then make it's, sure. that's, that's the one I'm thinking of. I am not your Negro. Um. Anyway, so it's had, it, uh, my point was just that like that you can yeah like having having the voc the the ability to like vocalize or express what you're feeling and then be able to reflect on that is also like a very important thing that um i think that men miss out on if they're not able to access that um because you still have them you just not they just go away like you don't you don't have any way to express them or talk about them or even with yourself you have them and you may not even know that that you're having them, but you're they're still affecting you and you're still having an experience. Like right. yep. I very much appreciate the the concept that anything psychological is physiological and anything physiological is psychological. Right. Like this idea there really isn't a separation between the mind and the body that like right. we right. do experience emotions on a chemical level. Yeah. And there's some very interesting research which I which also we could talk a ton about, about emotions, about what they actually are and how they work. They're molecules. And some really interesting theories too. And so um, many of which fly in the face of kind of any idea that you can brute force your way into feeling things. Mm. Like there's real evidence to show that like our, our feelings, we can control them in so far as they are shaped by our experiences, but once they've been shaped, we we can slowly change them again. But it's not something that's conscious, and it's mm. not something that we like. Again, are controlling the keyboard on. Yeah, right, right. We can move which room the computer's in, sort of. Yeah, right. You know, change with the computers around, but like we don't have anything like a, a control window or a, you know, where we can enter in commands yeah. and um, the movie is, it's a documentary film and social critique by Raoul Peck based on James Baldwin's unfinished manuscript. Remember Thank this house 2016. Yeah. I think it Thank was on you, Netflix. Um, that is exactly the one I was thinking. of. Yeah. So that I, I was right about the t- title. Yes. And I was sort of right about half of the details. Yeah. <laughs> You got it. Based so, on his papers. So I think what Ned, you were gonna say something about the end of our episode. Oh, I have. Uh, since we're since the um, the color research team. Oh, please, Lauren, go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah. I wanted to just say one more thing. Yeah. Yes. To validate because I was kind of saying like emotions are kind of all these things, but I wanted to 
validate your statement, um, Ned, about like, you know, people are going to, so people are going to have them whether they know they have them or not. And they're going to impact them because drugs, brain drugs, but, (laughs) but it also means that um, when you're, you can't, I mean, this is quoting Brene Brown, you can't selectively numb feelings. Right. So when you numb, oh, Ned's dad is like, feelings are uh, inconvenient, just don't have them. Right. So if he's numbing the unpleasant ones that he finds hard to deal with, Mm -hmm. he probably doesn't realize this, but he's also numbing the positive ones, which means he will feel less joy. Totally. He will feel less creativity. He will feel less connection. I don't think your dad feels anything at all. I we think don't know. we can't know. It's no, I mean it's a classic you just stuff that shit down until it comes out in a, just a fountain of like yeah. technicolor Weird. rainbows, right? Just yeah. spewing everywhere on everybody all the time. Like, so, you yeah. know, if anybody out there listen, you know, anyone who can hear the sound of my voice. <laughs> yes, yes. Think back, close your eyes. Remember a time when you felt joy, delight, glee. I mean, really, think of any time that you felt something that was just truly enjoyable does schadenfreude account <laughs> i'm not gonna judge anything meg <laughs> but like when you have that it's a truly enjoyable sensation and i'm thinking like the ones that really stand out that i'll are be the man translator really so happy ma'am <laughs> yes thank yes. you yes. not <laughs> angry. like luther yes. happy <laughs> think of a time you felt happy and uh-huh. then just like imagine turning that feeling especially if you can think of a truly memorable or just special experience now just Imagine like turning that down by half or three quarters, like uh-huh. like that to to as a way to simulate the real cost of what Neg is talking about. Right. You know, we we talk often about like toxic masculinity. And yeah, how it's hard on other people, but like it's also super hard on men. Like oh, going yeah. no, through the world with less right. joy and less creativity and less connection <laughs> and le- excuse me, less happy. Yes, thank you. Is really hard. Yes, right. <laughs> Happy yeah. is arguably what makes life <laughs> worth living and keeps us going. Right. <laughs> yeah. Like, it's an important thing. <laughs> yes. Speaking of managing your mental health. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Maybe we should do a design podcast or do an episode uh, designing um, designing descriptions of emotion. Oh. Mm. I do just love to those, explore like, that and like and stuff. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I'm, so I mean, when so you that, guys, was that. that was my. I, I love it. I think it's really great. Um, I mean, it makes me happy <laughs> to hear you say that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I so, also like the idea that you're just like my my man explaining uh, <laughs> translator, my man. <laughs> Manslater, manslater, a manslater. I was gonna. Ned is a professional manslater. I was gonna suggest manslater uh-huh. because, like, I thought tr- translator sounds a little too respectful for like yes. hypermasculinity. Towards, <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. it's just gonna well, confuse the hypermasculine to no, have the, trans in the middle of the word, and so yeah. it's got to no, be it's manslater. Ups- it's, it's anger-inducing in men because you have trans in there, and trans right. is not an acceptable. Right, masculinity Way to be. or whatever right. hyper whatever yeah, yeah. hyper masculinity so imagining sort of toxic masculinity the Keenan yeah. Peel or no was it Keenan Peel that did yeah. the Luther the the, the anger translator, translator? Yes. right and so he doesn't even want the job y'all. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> that made me so happy when uh, I yes, yep. saw that. So Ned follows me around and translate. Man yes, slates. Yeah. Man, Man slates. slates. Man slates. Um, well, I have a, since we're, uh, since our color research team is still on hiatus slash extended vacation. I so hope they're the, enjoying. The plane has crashed into the mountain and they oh. are considering which one of them is going to get eaten. Yes. They, have they That's been where listening though? They've heard my advice. I've given it at least once before. Right. You have to. You have to, I'm sorry, you have to crack the bones and eat the marrow. You need the fat in order to digest the nutrients. Otherwise, it's a waste. Have right, you guys right. seen um, Cannibal the Musical? No. I can't say that I have. It's super funny. It's Matt. Also, it makes me angry that I don't it's, know what you're talking about right Matt now. Matt Stone and Trey Parker's like <laughs> uh, first yeah, movie. Uh-huh. And it's about, um, it's about an expedition uh, and they are trying to cross the country back in the day. Uh-huh. And um, and it's about how they like it's kind of like a spoof of the Donner Party yeah. where they have to like eat each other or whatever in yeah. the mountains. And it's it's nobody understood the genius that <laughs> would come issue forth from the two of them people prematurely judged their movie as unwatchable. <laughs> like it was like, it may be the worst reviewed movie ever. And I think the reviews were like sincere, like people just didn't get it. Uh-huh. And um, there's like, there's one of the people on this expedition dies. Like I'm not giving anything away. Yeah. And they're like, well, we got to eat him. Uh-huh. And, um, and they're trying to figure out like, who's going to carve him up. And one of the people there's like a butcher and uh-huh. he's like, well, you're a butcher. So butch. <laughs> like they're carving the guy up and he's like he's gonna give the person who's doing the carving is gonna give some of it to matt stone and he's like what <laughs> what part do you want he's like well not butt and like, i think he started on the butt part because it was just like the most obvious spot to yeah. start and he's like what do you want he's like not butt anyway that just made me think of that i don't right, know why that's where the fat is uh-huh. right. well, maybe start with a butt maybe yeah, start, start with, with the, the butt. butt yep how to eat a human Start with the butt. Oh Um, God, this is going to get a weird cross section uh of the internet interested in us. Oh Oh, goodness! Yeah, there goes there goes any possibility of a security clearance with the American government, right? (laughs) I think we lost that a while ago. Right. Oh, so but uh, so oh, they are not. So we wish them all the best and yeah, the research team, please. humanity yes yeah so since they're well, since they're still on your own i'd like hiatus. to hear the ethical arguments for who gets eaten first on like a, a crash in the andes soccer i think we should put that down as a future episode right yeah we can the ethics know. of who gets eaten first i'm writing that down um so uh anyway so we're doing these other segments which are just like uh short short wikipedia articles on design um to kind of keep things tied in because that's what we were doing with the colors before was to keep keep things nice and tidy because this is a podcast about art and design and we stay strictly on those topics all the mm-hmm. time um and now so, cannibalism apparently i'm sorry yes everybody. and now cab- cannibalism yeah, blah, blah, blah. yeah cannibalism. <laughs> <laughs> thanks um, for manslating that <laughs> yep yep yeah makes me happy i'm happy to do it <laughs> <laughs> so what's your i need like you know how you like get those like those stickers or those like things you put on like the the fridge it says like dishes are done or like clean and dirty i just need one that's like like happy or angry like where's ned like (laughs) 
and not like not like a spectrum of like how much it's just like binary like happy yeah. or uh, angry that's boom. Boom. Yep. yep yep um yeah so i have a you are I have clean a, or dirty right <laughs> i have an interesting uh concept in design that um I think would be relevant to this podcast since we're talking right. a little bit about mental health, maybe lightly about cannibalism. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, so there's a concept or there's a practice called transgenerational design. Oh, transgenerational transgenerational design is the practice of making products and environments compatible with those physical and sensory impairments associated with human aging which limit major activities of daily huh. living. Interesting. Um, yeah. I love this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So was this um, done in Scandinavia? So the term actually uh, was coined in 1986 by a Syracuse University industrial design professor, James J. Perk. Oh, hat tip to you, sir. Perkle? Perkle. P-I-R-K-L. Oh, all right. Or yeah. drafting board tip to you. I don't know. Um, so the concept, uh, the transgenerational design concept establishes a common ground for those who are committed to integrating uh, age and ability within the consumer population. Mm. Um, also, just to continue citing our resources, this is retrieved from Wikipedia, tran- uh, the article titled Transgen- Transgenerational Design in Jan- or on January 24th, 2022. Okay, so, uh, so, the, so we're talking about uh, this transgenerational Generational design is the idea of um, concepts established or uh, is a concept established, establishes a common ground for those who are committed to integrating age and ability within the consumer population. Um, Its underlying principle is that people, including those who are aged or impaired, have an equal right to live in in a unified society. Mm -hmm. Um, That's cool. Yeah. Uh, and so the design practice recognizes that human aging is continuous dynamic process that starts at birth and ends with death and that throughout the aging process people normally experience occurrences of illness accidents declines in physical and sensory abilities that impairs one independence and lifestyle um so uh there are four facts so it according to the article four facts clarify the inter relationship of age with physical and sensory vulnerability oh my gosh this is so great yeah so one young people become (coughs) old (laughs) two young people can become disabled Mm -hmm. three old people can become disabled and four disabled people become old Mm, Um, nice yeah that's good yeah yeah oh oh no please go like yeah i've always loved the the phrase that comes out of like disability rights or activism kind of saying that like you know in terms of a marginalized class it kind of doesn't make a lot of sense to have disabled people be a marginalized class when pretty much everybody's gonna experience that at some point yes yeah like what are y'all doing you're just shooting yourselves in the foot (laughs) and i think this kind of goes yeah like this kind of goes to what i was kind of thinking about before when i was i'm I'm reminded of like early on in the podcast when we're when i was kind of talking about the or we were talking about um the the idea of like self-worth like how you value Mm -hmm, yourself mm -hmm. able-bodiedness is temporary yeah yeah and so um and that was kind of my issue was that a lot of the and now that i'm thinking about it in terms of this it's like a lot of the 
the sort of examples of like, oh, how you can talk to yourself more positively is like, you know, acknowledge the great things you're doing. And then all of those example acknowledgements are like <laughs> having two legs and four, arm, or three, right, four yeah. arms and four arms, having <laughs> two legs and two arms that work and being able to see and hear, right? Like they're like, you, you know, you got up and checked the mail or like you, you know, mm-hmm. read the news today or you watched some TV or whatever, like all these things that any one individual may not no longer have access to in the mm-hmm. same capacity and so then it's like oh okay but even your examples don't apply to me so really am i a piece of shit like where yeah. do i land in this like i mean yeah you know obviously the intent they were great like the the people on the radio were great and they you know they don't have time to talk about the nuance like we do on a podcast that we host and own and can talk forever <laughs> right um and you have to listen if you're listening or I you mean, can fast we, forward we, and skip over <laughs> we can encourage them to try to bring in more new you have ones. to yes, listen yeah, to think yeah. and and like there are people yeah. who are trying to do that yeah i was just reading um there was a a firestorm on twitter recently among um disability advocates because the current cdc director whatever was like Oh, um, you know, at this point, like, <clears throat> not that many people are going to die of COVID. And those people have like four or five things wrong with them already. Yeah. And it was like, well, fuck you. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Like, it's cool if those people die because they don't really count anyway. Right. And it was like, what Apparently, the fuck? And today's other theme is eugenics. Right. And I, one of the, it, like, true to, tr- true to form or like Thank it you, follows, it sort of follows a theme in my life that I'm sort of in between states or like groups or things like that. Like I have this weird in a liminal in a liminal state. state. I have a very weird disability that people can't see when they look at me. Mm-hmm. And so I can choose to express whether or not I belong to a community of disabled people. Yeah. Which puts me in a really weird place. Yeah. And it raises questions of like, do I think of myself in terms of my identity as a person who is disabled? Yeah. Like I did not for a long time because I'm still capable of doing a lot of stuff. And so Mm -hmm. I was like, I don't have any right to call myself disabled, but I have lost a laundry list of abilities that I had before. And I've moved across the country to accommodate this. And I've had to rearrange my entire life in other ways to deal with it. And it it was a a turning point and it hasn't ever come back. So it's like, this is just something that I like deal with. And so I've, that's something that I think about a lot. And I, uh, it's also why I like study bioethics and, um, I don't know. That was just something that I noticed mm-hmm. about like mm-hmm. how how do you think about like your identity? Yeah, and whether or not you let your identity be impacted by something like that, or how you view yourself. Like I mentioned on a couple of podcasts ago, um, that now I've gotten the subtitles after the film, and I know what was wrong with me when I got really sick in 2015, and why I have right. neurological problems now. So even how I conceptualize myself again, again, has changed Mm -hmm. within the same thing because now I have a name for what's wrong with me. Yeah. And that makes it names. I mean, they're they make a difference. Yeah, they make a difference. They they can have things that are not as helpful. But yeah, but just even being able to put words to an experience. Right. Is uh, it's a thing I talk about all the time with young people, actually. Yeah. Like it's really important. Anyway, I don't know. I just thought I throw yeah, it out there. I think that's great insight. I was going to say, um, yeah, what you're saying is another way that it's uh, you can very much relate to the same way I think of at least personally having ADHD, where it's like oftentimes I can choose to be part of that community or not. Like I can mm-hmm. either identify and like talk about this this sort of 
you know, God, in some days it's just like so debilitating, but yeah. other days like it's just not really a thing that I think about. Um, yeah. And, and so like sometimes I have those abilities and sometimes I don't or like, you know, but anyway, what you were saying about like, like, do you Identity? identify? Yeah. 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 And I think like right now, probably my partner would argue that I identify as someone with ADHD because I've been complaining about it a lot lately. Mm, um, sure. Yeah. But, uh, but, you know, that's been part of my like my quest to find solution or to find like some salve for this thing that ails me but um yeah when i went back to school and like it's like you have this diagnosis now you really should get some help for it so then i go to disability services yeah and yeah and i i wound up taking classes at at least three different institutions and i went through all of their disability services they're very different mm -hmm. and the best experience i had was in the one the one where the person facing me that i interacted with had a visible disability yeah. yeah and they were head and shoulders they were outstanding mm. i was so impressed yeah and the other ones were were fine were were good they you know but but like they choose to be there so they're not totally yeah. you know yeah and hopefully. nobody was like yeah not Course gonna help anyone. me or whatever but right. but in terms of actually like you're, you're talking about this this multi-generational design and yeah. it instantly made me think of universal design which i know of through again disability activism mm -hmm. you know and this idea of like making spaces that are universally accessible right um so like if you've seen those stunning stairs that have like a a ramp kind of built into them as part of the design. Mm -hmm. and this is like a, an example of universal design. That's also gorgeous. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so I totally forgot where I was going with that. It's all right. <laughs> uh, uh, the person, this person that was helping oh, you. Yeah. The yeah. person who was yeah, helping you. Yeah. And just like how, how a space or a system or a process is designed. Yeah. How are people going to interface with this thing? How are they going to make through it, move through it? Yeah. Um, I think oftentimes so. spaces are designed for like these aspirational things that are never, ever yes. going to happen. And it's like, who the yep. fuck did you design this for? Right. Oh, yeah. There's so many things I can think of. As soon as you said that, I'm like, oh, yeah, there's tons of things in design. Like, here's that. how we want you to behave and move yeah. and experience in this space but healthcare <laughs> right yeah that's like a huge one i like i was just thinking Clothing. yesterday like the fucking design of the healthcare system is just like an atrocity yeah it's like a bone grinder yep uh, a human-sized wood chipper a human-sized wood chipper <laughs> <laughs> well um so speaking oh, of the the trans <laughs> speaking of human-sized wood chippers yeah. um transgenerational design uh, I think it's worth, I'm going to read through the benefits section a little. Oh, I think thank yeah. you for bringing us back. Yeah, I think this also um, has some good value here. Uh, so transgenerational design benefits all, all ages and abilities by creating a harmonious bond between products and the people that use them. It satisfies the psychological, physiological, and sociological factors desired and anticipated by users of all ages and abilities. Um, and so it covers the, this is a weird awkwardly worded sentence um i'll just skip that so that never happens on wikipedia right <laughs> uh transgenerational design addresses each element and accommodates the user regardless of age or ability and so those elements are safety comfort convenience usability ergonomics and accommodation 
Mm. Um, and so transnational design addresses each of these elements and accommodates the user regardless of age or ability by providing a sympathetic fit and unencumbered ease of use. Such designs provide greater accessibility by offering wider options and more choices, thereby preserving and extending one's independence and enhancing the quality of life for all ages and abilities at no group's expense. Nice. Um, so transgenerational designs accommodate rather than discriminate and sympathize rather than stigmatize. They do this by bridging the transition across, across life stages, responding to the widest range of individual differences, helping people remain active and independent, adapting to changing mm. sensory and physical needs, maintaining mm -hmm. one's dignity and self-respect, enabling one to choose the appropriate means to accommodate, accommodate sorry, and enabling one to choose the appropriate means to accomplish activities of daily living. Nice. Mm -hmm. I yeah. like this a lot. Yeah. Yeah. No, I like this a lot too. Um, yeah. And I, think I wish our design would incorporate or like widen the circle to consider the built environment and how it affects other species because we are yeah. really fucking terrible at that. Right. Mm -hmm. We are. Hmm. There you go. There's our next short. <laughs> yeah, right. next short. Yeah, uh, human humans are the British Empire. Humans species. are the British Empire of species. <laughs> I mean, yes, yeah. As far as we know. <laughs> yep, making a note on that one too. <laughs> I feel like I feel like someday, like they're gonna discover some parasite that we all have that's basically just like controlling all of society. Yeah. Um. I mean, not really. But you mean that like parasite that we get from cats? Yeah. Toxoplasmosis oh, uh, gordoni. I'm yeah. convinced that I have it. Yeah. I am. Well, I mean, it's really likely that I do. Like, yeah. I mean, most people's systems are able to. Yeah. So, <laughs> but yeah. yes, that kind of concept where it's like, nope, there's nothing wrong with you. You do this because of, you know, yeah, because we're all infected with the bug. <laughs> um, the bug. And I, I love, I think one of the things I, I was thinking about or that I really like about, uh, and is it transgenerational design then? Transgenerational. Yes. Okay. Yep. Because mm -hmm. I, I said it wrong a minute ago. It is like they didn't explicitly say it but like i just really value this perspective on like diversity or inclusion mm -hmm. that's not so much about like well we have to make room for those poor people or those those disadvantaged people or those right, right. people who already have a bunch of stuff wrong with them we have to do that because it's we just have to be nice about it right like i mean i would sort of say that's that we do need to make room for those people but like not because we're doing them any favors, but because of all the stuff that's stated in that um, transgenerational. Yeah, design. in there, whatever the latter point was, the benefits. Well, you were also saying like it's based on this, I don't know, supposition that like everybody deserves oh. to have a dignified life. Oh yeah. Yes. Oh you know? yeah, yeah. Enabling one to choose appropriate meat. Oh, um, maintaining one's dignity and self-respect. Yeah. Yeah. Like there's just this idea that that everybody's entitled to that. And then when everybody is leading a dignified life, then they're they have a you have a greater chance for everybody to actually be involved in society. Right. Yeah. Like like more ideas almost always makes better. Better. Right. And so right. like anytime you're keeping, you know, sort of voices away from the table, you're not, you know, bringing voices into the table or, or whatever. However, when I think of the space like where mm -hmm. we we think of things, we make things, we, you know do stuff yeah like 
finding a way to have more people be engaged or a part of that just to me so functionally seems better Mm -hmm. and i feel like it underpins that that design is underpinned by that same idea of like let's keep people not just independent and with their dignity but also like able to actually participate in society yeah so i um one thing immediately comes comes to mind when I think about like what kind of design problems you would come across when you're trying to uh, implement when you're trying to take a transgenerational design perspective on a product that you're designing, which is that um, by this what we're talking about here is a, it you're we're talking about designing for inclusion, right? Mm-hmm. Yes, incredibly right. inclusive, and. Um, when we're talking about like consumer products where uh, things sell, one of the one of the concepts that sells well, or at least drives certain markets, I imagine, is the concept of um, exclusivity. Mm-hmm. And so, like, how do you how do you design a product that makes people feel exclusive, but is actually so inclusive that every single person can? have a a good experience from that product right um and and i would argue that like exclusivity is not something we should design for and just because you yeah that was just because you can exploit it doesn't mean you're doing anybody any favors but um you know yeah there's lots of things we can we can tap into to make money but i don't think they make uh us or our lives better no no in fact they i would argue they make them quite quite worse right um, but back to our discussion about r- roads and stuff. right yeah. but you see what i mean about like when you i guess my point of that is just like pointing out that anytime you uh when you're going to design something whether it's art or well any any kind of thing that you're going to design you when you make these choices like you start to um, run into these problems, right? And then right. how you mm-hmm. interact with them is like, so for instance, it's like if we That's were going to be we like, need ethics, yeah, 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 absolutely. Um, but how do you how do you like change the social landscape such that people are want want more inclusion and want people like a lot? I would argue that part of the problem is that you have people who it makes them feel good for whatever reason. I don't know uh, for ha- you know being able to exclude against people who are old like who are disabled or or are old, right? Like, you know, in some way. Like, maybe not to the level of, like, you know, that person has, a like, a perceptible disability, and now I don't want to be a social pariah, so I'm not going to, you know, discriminate against them. But for sure, in, you know, social circles, it's like, oh, you can't do that. You're dumb. I'm great. Like, that's a known, like, interaction that some people seem to feed on. Oh, yeah. I mean, we we live in a, you know, a capitalist white supremacy yes uh, patriarchy and like that's a hierarchical system that's based based on saying that some humans are better i.e more human than other humans right and one easy way to make yourself feel better is to put somebody below you like Mm -hmm. i'm not as bad as them i'm not as fat as them i'm not as dumb as them, or whatever like you just said like i'm dumb you're dumb i'm great like Yes, this is a known thing. I like to go back to like playground level of. I just yes, feel like yeah. it just distills things really well. It's like you're mm-hmm. a big doo doo head, and I'm I'm not. Mm-hmm. So yeah. therefore, I'm great. Um, um. Yeah. No, I think that that is a real thing, but I don't think yeah. that that's. 
it's insurmountable not, or something. No, no, like, no, of course not. No, I'm just kind of. Um, I, I would actually say it's more I, what you're just saying of how do we get people to not do this harmful thing? Yeah. My approach might be, and I know, I mean, we could talk, this is a whole nother episode. <laughs> we have yeah. now hit the two hour mark, by the way. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> and my so back hard. is killing me. Right. Okay. Yeah. Then we'll, yeah. we'll be done. Um, <laughs> yeah. um, I was just going to say, like, I think it's instead just a symptom of yes. our society. So. Right. Right. Yeah. yeah. So, anyway, well, thank you. Yeah. Well, I think we have, we foster individualism. And so individualism is rewarded with exclusivity, right? Yeah. Right. And so right. if we didn't have an individualist, like it, like we force individualism right. here. And yeah. so if we didn't do that, there's plenty of other places where like consensus and group decision making and like all, things that are non-linear are valued and like we could do that here if we wanted to. But I don't know. Go talk to Jeffrey Bezos about <laughs> it. Go see what he he's willing to do. Right, right. All right. I think we. I think All we've right. definitely longest episode ever. <laughs> yeah. Well, maybe thank you. I don't know. We may maybe. have done ones like this before. I can't remember. I think we've. I think we've had a few. But I anyway, hope we entertained your pets. Yeah. Yes. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Hey, Buster. And uh, yeah, hey, Buster. <laughs> All right. Um, okay, everybody. Uh, be safe. Wear your masks. Get the yep. vaccine. Wash your hands. Don't be be, a dick. be kind. And, yeah, don't be a dick. Exactly. Yeah. And also be kind to yourself. That was kind yes. of yeah. Thing. Thank you. All right. Okay. Thanks. Okay. Bye. Bye.